Well, the Indiana State Legislative Session just ended at the close of April, and I do mean at the very end of April. And the Indiana Farm Bureau had some real nice wins on its priority list of issues. Talking today with a guy who was knee-deep in it for about the past four months, maybe even longer, Jeff Cummins, Director of State Government Relations with the Indiana Farm Bureau. Jeff, one of the top items I felt was kind of like a combination win, you know, because the Indiana Farm Bureau has been working so hard over the past, oh gosh, I don't know how many years on providing health plans for farm families. And Jeff, a nice win there with House Act 419, which included some tax savings in that regard. But then in addition to that, uh, the governor uh, signed on to what, uh, 225 mil to go to uh, rural health care. So kind of a double win. Absolutely, Rob. You're right. We saw a couple of wins on the healthcare side. So 419 you mentioned is the bill that provides additional tax options for our Farm Bureau health plans. One of the things we later learned after health plans passed in the 2020 session was that we had tied ourselves to the premium tax, whereas other domestic health plans had the option between that and the adjusted gross income tax. And so basically, we just asked legislators to give us the same option So we have either the premium tax or the adjusted gross income tax, Mm. uh, which isn't a wild savings. It wasn't uh, a major fiscal, so it was a fairly simple ask. It should save Farm Bureau health plans at least $150,000 in the first year. And uh, and that'll just help us on the bottom line. uh, We just wanted to offer the health plan as a benefit, and this will just make sure we can keep doing that. One of the things that kind of confused me when they were talking about property tax and assessments and that uh, 1454 Act out of the House, uh, talking about taxpayers filing assessment uh, appeals and so forth, trying to figure out if that uh, had any impact on family farms. There again, we had some language that we were, and really it was kind of a combination of between whether we could get it in 325 or 1454, but clarifying or even just moving ag buildings into that 2% uh, property tax cap threshold. So uh, we'll have to come back and revisit that. But 1454, Hmm. the Department of Local Government Finance Bill, um, still has, I think, some important components to it, um, and uh, including restoring the requirement that assessors notify taxpayers when uh, when there's a change to assessment methods, but also some tax increment financing uh, transparency. I mean, there are, in some counties, Uh, It's been reported to me from legislators as much as 25% of assessed value tied up in TIP districts. And so that means um, any increase in that incremental assessment is not going back to the base, which means that county has less flexibility to lower the rate. And so we really need to start digging in, I think, to these TIP districts around the state because um, that just continues to shift the burden to existing properties, both residential and ag, if you can't spread uh, the assessed value across a larger base. So uh, 1454 had some really good transparency language in there, but more to come. TIP districts have really grown and we'll probably see more. Yeah. Well, I tell you, one of the issues that I just got hot about, and I took it to the regular airwaves as well as my as well as my farm reporting, and that was this uh, career technical education money that they were talking about pulling that out, and apparently that that got restored. And boy, uh, <laughs> when you start taking money away from ag classes, and that affects a kid's opportunity to participate in FFA, oh boy, that's when the grassroots really come alive. And I'd like to kind of end on that note. I need, You know, we could talk for about another hour and a half on all the stuff that, that was good news in the legislative session this past time around. But when we talk about grassroots stuff, I'm really excited about Ag Elect. And I understand that you help coordinate the Indiana Farm Bureau's political action committees, of which Ag Elect is one of them. 
We just had a primary election here in Fort Wayne. Uh, I understand Ag-Elect focuses on state farm issues. Is, is it issues or candidates or both? Yeah, precisely. And so for your listeners who don't know, Ag-Elect is our state political action committee, which raises money and supports candidates in our state Senate and state House of Representatives who we feel will support our issues. And so, so really it's candidate focused and the process is all grassroots driven. And so, so to your point, truly foundational to our organization is whether it's policy development or PAC work or even advocacy at the state house, our strength is in the membership. And so our members will decide district by district, whether in primaries or generals, which candidates to endorse. And then we will make contributions to those candidates who support our issues from our ag elect pack. And that's for state legislators. We have a federal one as well. And the process works the same there. But you're right. I mean, as these districts become more urban and suburban, and we have fewer farmers in the legislature, in fact, we're down to really one that is job when he goes home, Kendall Culp, is to farm. And so we need really to make sure we're working with candidates and vetting candidates who support Indiana Farm Bureau issues, all of ag issues, because we just have fewer and fewer farmer voices and frankly, just fewer rural seats. Again, yeah. the growth around the central Indiana area uh, has moved more seats to that central Indiana region versus rural areas. So our voices just have to be louder. Yeah. So as a legitimate registered PAC, I'm guessing we can support ag elect with financial support and it goes right through to what you're talking about. That's exactly right. We would love to have any contributions from our members or other listeners that want to get involved that feel strongly that ag issues need to be represented at the state house, and, and that's how we can have an impact with our endorsements yeah. to candidates who are willing to speak loudly and fight for our issues. Good stuff. Jeff Cummins, Indiana Farm Bureau Director of State Government Relations. Jeff, uh, I'm going to put you on speed dial, buddy, because uh, there's a lot of stuff going on that we need to keep track of, and I sure appreciate your insights this morning. Be glad to stay in touch, and thanks for having us. Podcasts by Federated Media.